Hi, I'm Mark Wade, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 81 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That would be Mr. Bob Lucius. Hey, Bob. Quite enough, Bob. Qu'est-ce que c'est passé? Comme c'est comme ça, Rick. So for those of you who don't speak French, um, I just said to Bob, what's up? What's happening? What's happening? And, and for those who do speak French, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yes. What is sorry for French? Excusez-moi. Yeah, excusez-moi. <laughs> <laughs> but of course. Uh, so, so why are we doing... Uh, why are we doing French? Well, that is because in today's episode, we are covering Captain America 149 and 150, which came out in 1972. And who is a main antagonist in that, you may ask? Who is the main antagonist in this, Rick? Thanks for asking, Bob. It is Bachelor de Lipe. So... Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's why my my uh, opening hello to Bob was in French. Uh, now, I love doing uh, uh, issues that have Batroc in it. It's just so much fun. It's really a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, it's also a lot of work, Bob. I didn't take French, mm -hmm. so I I'm going to bastardize this. But I have done a lot of. I've been getting on the Google. Oh, uh, oh yeah, there you go. And yeah. and have been looking for translations and uh, pronunciations, right? Uh, but I'm going to get it messed. I'm, I'm listen. I'm going to get it messed up. So yeah. just just bear with me for those out there, our Canadian listeners. We have we have plenty of Canadian listeners, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the occasional listeners from France, or yeah, could be anywhere. Could yeah. could be could anywhere. Be the International Space Station. You don't know. You don't That's know, true. Rick. That's true. Is this is very true? <laughs> now, of course, you know I can't help. I can't help but break into the my John Cleese French taunterer accent from <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail, of one course. of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. It's well, a, a classic. You hear that in your head. You can't help it. I can't help it. And yeah. I'm picturing John Cleese in his his pointy metal hat. Uh, and his long uh, mustache, right, uh, on top of the castle, taunting um, King Arthur and his, his, his band of knights. Yep. And uh, just going on, my kids, my kids love that movie. Yeah. yeah we try to watch it once a year. I can't wait for my son to, you know, to be. He's of age. Prepared. He's 12. He Come on. I know. Maybe he, he can watch it. Yeah, I don't know if he. What are you like, afraid of? What, I'm, the the I'm scene. Not afraid of. I'm afraid that like his reaction will disappoint me. Oh, that's what I'm afraid of. That makes sense. Right. That makes yeah, sense. I'm afraid that like, uh, and this is. I mean, this is. A, it's not just Monty Python, right? It's any of the like. I he uh, he finally got around to watching um, 
the Green Mile. Right. You mentioned that before. Which he liked. Um, but he, he even told me, he's like, ah, I didn't get some of it. And I'm like, that, yeah. that, well, I mean, at 12, that may yeah. have been a yeah. little higher. Yeah. 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 And then he did, well, he watched, uh, it took him a couple of days to get through it, but he watched Saving Private Ryan. <gasps> last week. You at 12, let him watch that. <laughs> like you're, you're like, well, no, no this like, silly British humor may be too much for him. No, no, oh, but not, this, but this uh, realistic movie about World War II with people well, getting knives shoved into their chest and, yeah, and yeah. being blown away right. uh, by mortars and bullets ripping through their body. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm, no, it's that's okay. British, it's not, it's, it's getting the British humor. It's finding it funny, you know? It's like young Frankenstein. I, I, I'm, I Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to see that. Right. But I'm just not sure he get half the jokes. And so I don't know. Yeah. If, I know, told if you I, if I go in too soon and then he'll be like, nah, I never want to see that again. I didn't think it was funny. I think you're at the right age. I I'm trying to remember how old I was when I discovered Monty Python and it was, it was because of my older cousins. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was the youngest of all my, not only my, my, my siblings, but I was the youngest of all the, my cousins. And so I grew up on their music, yeah. their, sure, you know, yeah, love of right. things. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I, I want to say I was probably 12 to 14 when I mm-hmm. got my introduction to Monty Python and I, and I went head first. Yeah. I like, I, as soon as I got it, I, I I was uh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I grew up on the trifecta from a very early age of uh, sixty minutes, uh, the Lawrence Welk show, and mm. uh, the Benny Hill show. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. At least so, at least one of them you got right. I, I was just like sitting on my dad's lap. Right. Yeah. All three of those shows were formative for me. But yeah. Now the thing about Benny Hill. Wow, talk about risque. I know, I know. Right? And and it had nudity. Yes, it actually it did. did have nudity. Yeah. Now, and and I remember being around that age, 12, 13, whatever, and watching Benny Hill and one episode and I and I I liked it and I was enjoying it and it was risque and which you know, checked a box for me at that age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but there, then there's this one episode where a woman in a castle was sunning herself in a windowsill and she had her top off. Yeah. Yeah. And young Rick was just like, what? <laughs> this is on, this was on this. And I'm watching TV at, at a Philadelphia station. It was uh, channel 29. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what time it was on. It was in the evening, but part of me was yeah. thrilled to see that. Uh-huh. And the other part of me, this is, this is the, the, the righteous Rick. Yeah. The other part of me was like, oh, children can see this. <laughs> <laughs> All part of me was like, where's the, Where's the pause button on the VCR? If only they had invented a pause button back then, right, Bob? Right, you know? Uh, that's so funny. You know, like I've seen, talk about that. I've seen uh, online uh, various articles over the years of like the most 
paused scenes <laughs> in any movies, right? And it right. like, I, 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 oh, yeah. how do they get these the statistics? I don't know, mm-hmm. but 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 they they basically say like you know based on studies, you know, oh, yeah. scientific it's all science. Oh, science sure, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, and of yeah. course, of course, the uh, what was the Sharon Stone and Michael Douglas oh, yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah. That's a classic. Yeah. Basic instinct. Yeah. Basic, yeah. That, I think that was like number one yeah. pause scene where she crosses her legs, yeah. you know, during the examination. Yeah. Um, there was an examination going on. Yeah. Yeah. Crossing them is an examination. That's why, that, yeah. that's why people were pausing. Yeah. They were examining. Okay, Bob. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we uh, anyway we're, we're gonna we're going off on a little bit of a yeah we had a little bit of a tan. top yeah. ten. So tonight's yeah. show actually we're changing tonight's show top ten most paused uh, VCR scenes. Yeah. Yes, yes, of course. Um, but again, I guess going back to Monty Python and yeah. the French taunterer, right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Right. Go thing. away, or I shall taunt you a second time. <laughs> right. That's. That's the accent that I, I in my mind, give Batrock Zelipa. Yes. And I will, uh, I will use that accent uh, I, uh, throughout I, this, this episode. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that'd be, uh, that's, that's, the way, that's the way to go, Rick. I think that is the way to go for this. Yeah. Uh, Something extra. Yeah. So a few things uh, we will talk about in this episode. We will get to issues 149 and 150. Um, but there's a few other things we want to talk about. Oh, oh Bob, guess what? We have a special call-in. We do? A, spe- a special guest called in. Oh my and gosh. We will we'll play that uh in a few minutes. Okay. Okay. Right? Uh at the end of the episode, uh we will talk about who our guest will be for the next episode, episode 82. We will reveal who our guest will be and that as you know, the first Wednesday of every month mm-hmm. we have a, a a new guest, so we'll talk about that. Uh that will be our next so that, that state state for the very end, we'll we'll reveal that. All right. Um, speaking of guests, Bob, um, our last guest on the show was Mark Wade, and um, I'm a big Mark Wade fan. You are a big yeah. Mark Wade fan, Rand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, in our Facebook group, which uh, we have a, a lot of, you know, like over four thousand uh, Captain America comic book fans. Um, Mark Wade is is definitely a beloved uh, creator, uh, so we were thrilled to have him on the show. Talk about his five different Captain America stints that he basically did, uh, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of twenty five years. It was a great conversation. Now, um, what I I tend to do, Bob, you know, is I I you know we're always trying to get new listeners, mm-hmm. so send these out. I post these. Uh, you know, to promote these on Facebook, because again, that's that's our main, yeah, our main ground that we we play in. Um, but you know, we're also on Twitter, on Instagram. I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't spend much time on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and it shows, right? We have we have like no following on right. those two platforms. Yeah, I follow, I follow you. Oh, do yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. I, I appreciate. I am. That. I'm committed to that. Yeah. You're a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so like I, I think like on Twitter we have like maybe like a hundred followers. I mean it's it's ridiculous, right? I mean, but but again, I don't put too much effort into it. I mean, if you go and you look at our channel, uh, you will see I rarely post on there. But I do know that some of our guests are very active on those platforms. So I went ahead and I tweeted uh, about Mark Wade's um, interview, you know, in, in our conversation. And so I put that on Twitter, um, tagging Mark, knowing that he has a big following and he retweeted it, which was very nice. Thank you, Mark. Um, and, and I'm going to read what I uh, tweeted. Legendary writer Mark Wade reveals how he cracked the code on writing Captain America after 25 years, why he had his name removed from his Red Skull origin story, being pulled from Cap for Rob Liefeld, why he will never write Cap again, and much more. Now, Bob, is that is that a, an accurate description of what the part or at least some of the interview yeah, was right. we did we talked about a lot yeah. more but I mean, you know there's only so many characters yeah. on twitter there's some broad thematic issues there yeah mm-hmm. now i again i tagged mark um but i also tagged rob liefeld and i put some other hashtags in there because you know as a marketing guy that's what you do to try to get more eyeballs right mm-hmm. and and quite frankly i tagged rob because we would love to have him as a guest on the show, mm-hmm. right? We've talked I mean, about it plenty of times, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I posted that uh, on the day that the episode came out, and which was April 6th. Now, um, Rob read this, and he had multiple reactions. And I, I want to share them with you here on the show. Um, his first reaction was... And he, he's replying to my post, my tweet. And he says, I was hired a year before Mark. The editor tried a Hail Mary with Wade, proving he could lift sales without Heroes Reborn. Now, the editor, of course, is Mark Grunewald. Bottom line, didn't work. Even his relaunch, 1997, which was the you know volume three that came out after, failed to match my success he never had more than his 12 to 13 months okay Mm. all right interesting response so then um i i didn't you know i have a job right so i'm not i'm not on twitter so a few more tweets came out that i didn't um before i could get to them right Mm mm-hmm so then he he replies with um, the Mark Wade Ron Garney run that was supposedly the greatest ever sold around twenty five thousand had a year to catch fire did not occur my cap launched over three hundred thousand direct market and newsstand my Avengers launch is the best selling of all time just the facts. Mm-hmm. Okay. At this point, I, I I checked in and I caught this. So my reply was, uh, Wade had an interesting response to what happened, including your offer to bring him on as a scripter before Loeb. 
are you interested in chatting with us about your Capron? Perfect way to celebrate your 25-year anniversary. Right? So I'm- Generous. I'm, well, you know, again- But also, yeah, a professional. Yeah, yeah, we would like to have them, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, no no response. Uh, I got like five- five likes, but, but, you know, no response from mm-hmm. Rob. So then, um, he then wrote a, uh, another comment. I enjoy weighing, weighing in on spin with facts. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Then, then he, again, responded to his own tweet which was the one about you know the hail mary with wade right and the the failed success he wrote for context this is the tweet i responded to the idea that mark was removed and he put removed in quotes is inaccurate i was launching september 1996 based on a contract negotiated from 1994 to 1995 now i never said mark was Moved, so he's quoting something, but he's really not quoting. He's more paraphrasing, and I get it because I I said he was pulled from cap, which hey could be the same thing as removed. So right. I'm could not going to re- could be reassigned. Could be, you know? There's lots of things, right? Right, yeah. right. I I'm not going to quibble over the fact that he quoted a wrong word, but mm-hmm. he he's paraphrasing, which is fine. So I respond to this, and I wrote true. But Mark and Ron didn't know that at the time. In their minds, they were removed, and we asked for their reactions in separate interviews. We have lots of questions for you if you're willing to chat. We'd like to celebrate your 25th anniversary. Because it is. It's the 25th anniversary of when Rob worked on Captain America. Mm-hmm. No, no response to that. Hmm. And then someone had said something to the back fact that I guess replied to one of his, his comments about the, the Mac, how much he sold and so on. Uh, said, Oh, you know, here's, here's Rob flexing. Uh, and so oh. he went ahead and tweeted sharing facts. Isn't flexing, especially when you encounter errant spin. It's the best part of this platform. Just mute. If you don't care for it. So now Bob, I'm mm-hmm. starting to get a little, hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so I replied, sorry, how is asking for Mark's reaction to, quote, being pulled from cap for Rob Liefeld, errant spin? He wasn't told there was a deal in place when he took the job or many months after. Fans want to know how he felt. If you want to provide your thoughts, we've offered to hear your side. Again, no response and then he you know he has a few other tweets Mm -hmm. so um i don't know bob i i it it leaves it leaves a bad taste in my mouth i i don't think we were doing errant spin by asking the creator whether it was mark whether it was ron uh how they felt being pulled from the book um for rob liefeld right because Now, to Rob's point, he may have negotiated this a long time before, but um, they didn't know that. They didn't take the job knowing that. Marvel didn't tell them that. 
So I think it was a legitimate question to ask them that. Um, why Rob responded the way he did, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I will say, Rob, if you're listening, we'd love to talk with you about it. Uh, we we love the fact that, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there that appreciate the work that you did on the series. But I will say this, Bob. Um, you know, in our Facebook group, we have a rule. We have a few rules. If you're going to mm-hmm. enter the group, mm-hmm. you have to agree to the rules. If you don't agree to the rules, you're not in the group anymore. It's simple as that. And we base our group over the simple, simple four words. What would Cap do? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so one of the rules is there's no creator bashing. There's no negativity. Allow people to like what they like. Now, we, I do a, a daily flashback in the Facebook group, and I, I you know, go over a course of 50 years, uh, and I show you know, in this month of, let's say, for example, April, um, here's what came out 50 years ago, 25 years ago, and so on. And inevitably, Bob, when we post the six issues that Rob Liefeld has done, what would you say has been the reaction every time we do that? Well, let's just say it's contentious, Uh right? It is a contentious, uh, those posts always seem to bring out, um, yeah, a a passionate debate about the merits of, of those books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, as moderators in the group, um, have deleted a lot of comments, right? Yeah, Just yeah. stick with the no negativity rule, allow people to like what they like. What would Cap do? And so we've deleted a lot of comments. In some re- cases of repeated offenders, we've muted them. In some cases of just blatant mute, you know, re- repeated offenders, we've we've kicked them out of the group. You know, it's just look, we're not here to see negativity. We don't, you know, that you agree to these rules when you join the group. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's not something we, we take lightly and not something we enjoy doing. But we have removed some people from the group because they just don't like Rob Liefeld, right? Mm-hmm. So, and we've had people quit the group over it too. Yeah, right? that. yeah. So we have gone above and beyond to defend Rob Liefeld in our group because we feel what would Cap do? Mm-hmm. We know that there's people out there who love Rob Liefeld and we love his, love his, um, his, his work. Um, and the, they, you know, they got him into Cap. I mean, there's some great stories of people out there who really, really like him. Great. You know, I, I thought, you know, when he joined New Mutants, loved his work. You know, it, 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 it got me excited about, and I collected new mutants because of him. I collected X-Force because of him, you know? Uh, so, and, and, and I know there's other people out there, but I got to tell you, Bob, his reaction on Twitter, you know, uh, a few episodes ago when we covered, um, 
the uh, in episode 77, we did the Captain America Sentinel, Sentinel of Liberty 8 and 9, mm-hmm. uh, which had the first appearance of Sam Wilson as Captain America. Yeah. And there's a scene in one in one of the issues, the first issue, that Cap is defending the bad guys from the mob. This right. angry mob that's coming to storm their office. And he comes in there and he's like, look, I need to protect you from, from them, you know, violence that they're coming on. And, and they didn't appreciate Captain America. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and Cap's getting it from both sides. Right. I kind of feel like that. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of feel right. like I've gone above and beyond to defend Rob Liefeld yeah. and, and he's, he's upset because we asked the question to Mark how it felt, you know, mm-hmm. to be pulled from the book. Yeah. Now, if, if, again, if Rob wants to come on here uh, and discuss it with us, great. I don't think he will, but we would love to have it. Maybe he, it's just all big misunderstanding and he would love, he, he will come on here and he'll chat with us. Cause again, we have lots of questions about his, his run and, and it's a 25 year anniversary. Um, but whatever happens, we're still going to stick with our rule. What would cap do? Right. right? Yeah. And, and that is uh, something that we will continue to do in the Facebook group. And I would encourage anybody, you know, who, uh, who followed any of that, those tweets and, uh, or heard him here tonight to, uh, to go listen to that interview. Uh, and, and hear it straight from Mark's mouth, what his perspective was on the situation. Because, you know, perspective can be different than from, you know, objective reality, right? Everything's subjective. And, and so just, I mean, it's what he felt at the time. It's what he knew at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and for that matter, uh, go listen to episode 39 mm-hmm. when we talked to Ron Garney. Yeah. Right. And Ron Garney and how he felt. Uh, about being pulled off the book at that time. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Um, you know what it is, it is, it's fine. Um, and this again too, is why we don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, uh, because there's a plenty of people out there that just, uh, are negative and, you know, we don't, I, I, I personally, I don't have enough time in my, my, my day and my life to, to, to deal with negative people. So yeah. uh, that's why we, we do what we do in our Facebook group. And, and that's why that's our, our main platform. Yeah. Amen, brother. All right. Speaking of positivity, Bob, mm-hmm. uh, we got uh, another review uh, on our podcast uh, on Apple. Um, uh, we got another five-star review. And, and just as a reminder, last episode, we did mention the three winners. Um, of the the what would cap do challenge coin so uh kdf 021 rl sharp 77 and glover super glover m25 <laughs> uh please send me an email with your information uh, and that is capcomicfans at gmail.com all right so our next review bob comes from raw Ta Seti. And Ra Ta Seti gives us a five-star review that the title to it is Thank Goodness, a true Captain America podcast. So Ra Ta Seti writes, Thank you for the show. I needed this cap, is my favorite Marvel character, and I only found one show 
but he hasn't downloaded one in two years. So on a whim, I typed in Captain America and your show came. I will listen to an episode a day until I'm caught up. While I wish you were starting in the golden age, I'm happy by what I've seen. I read about 70% of all solo cap books. I will be looking forward to the downloads. Thank you for an effort and you have a listener forever. Wow. That means we got to keep producing these shows forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, as long as they keep producing cap comics, I think we're safe in that I guess, regard. I guess we're all right. Yeah. All right, Bob, you know, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that we have a, uh, a phone call. Right. Yeah. Yes. We have someone calling in uh, and they left us a, a message. Oh, hello, Bob. And your fuzzy headed manservant, Seb Batrock, Zilipa, no? Oui. What is this, Batrock? Here's of your silly podcast spotlighting one of Batrock's greatest shames. But what, Bob? Batrock thought after all those games of pinnacles that we were friends. Why, when there are so many examples of Batrock's greatness in the comics, no? We. Oui. But there is more. Many do not realize that Batrock is also accomplished in other media. For example, Batrock was the chef in The Little Mermaid, no? We oui. attended. Le poisson, le poisson, I love les. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Qui a ma porte? Eh? Hello? Quoi? Oh, je connais. Oui, mais pardon, ma grand-mère est flambée. Oh, you, you fuzzy fish fanboy. And Bob, this is all your fault. The blood-sucking attorneys for the mouse have shown up at Patrick's door and served him with this cease and this left hand, no? Oui. Oh, the shame. The unparalleled shame. First, this podcast involving Batrock Shin, but at least then Batrock was the fall of Captain America, no? We, but now, Batrock has been reduced to being the enemy of the mouse in the pantaloon of the sob. The really big sob. Make no little folk. Watch as Batrock uses the back window to escape and leap away in shameful defeat. Leap. Leap. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got like tears streaming down my face here. Oh, my oh are you, are you sub? Are you sub? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait a minute i didn't know you were friends with batrock oh we apparently i'm just the uh the fuzzy headed fanboy <laughs> and you were friends with when did you become friends with batrock oh way way back way way back i'm just the fuzzy headed i'm just the uh the fuzzy headed manservant <laughs> oh. oh my goodness i i am i am so hurt yeah <laughs> sub Sub. 
Oh, well, that actually, uh, for those who, who have been a longtime listener of this podcast, that was uh, no, no other than John Waller Sewell. He uh, is, a, is a friend of the podcast, uh, and he also uh, produces some independent comedy. Uh, so you may want to check out uh, one of his books, uh, which is called Beautiful, Silly, and Terrible Things, uh, which is a, a fun independent book um but you can go to beautiful silly and terrible things.com uh so thanks john for for calling in with your your patrock zilipa uh impersonation that's always always a fun treat i think if the mcu uh, needs to recast <laughs> yeah. uh i agree <laughs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, shall we get to issue 149? Oh, yeah, we should do that. Okay. The solicitation back in 1972 for, for this issue uh, was Cap's long-awaited rematch with the blockbusting Batrock. And wait till you learn the Leaper's new secret identity. So this came out, it had a release date of February 15th, 1972, a cover date of may of 1972 um the writer was jerry conway so this was i think i mentioned in the last episode right uh, i think it was gary frederick is that who it was anyway he, he he came off his run um and so jerry kind of came in as a kind of like a four issue fill-in um but followed by steve engelhart uh, so before Steve Engelhart kicked off his run, uh, Jerry did these four issues. Uh, now, the penciler was the great Sal Basima, uh, inked by Jim Mooney, lettered by Shelley Lefferman, and then the editor, Stan Lee. Now, if you were opening up and you're looking at the credentials in this book, it says Stan Lee, editor. And then Jerry and, and then so on. So Stan Lee gets top billing as the editor, as opposed to typically the editor being, you know, last. Mm -hmm. And then on the cover, um, which is this uh, really cool cover by Gil Kane and then inked by Frank Giacoya, um, it is the red, white, and blue Captain America logo with Cap on one side, Falcon on the other side, because it's Captain America and the Falcon, uh, which was the, the series at the time. Uh, 20 cents, Bob. 20 cents got you this. Uh, and it has Cap holding up 
uh, one of the goons and some three or four goons laying down underneath Cap's feet uh, and another goon with a gun pointed at Cap's back. But that that doesn't seem to both be the most uh, perilous thing happening, Cap, here. It's it's Batroc Lilliper, who is a master of savant, the uh, the art of uh, kickboxing. Um, he he's actually driving into Cap's exposed ribs as he's holding a goon over his head, uh, uh, kicking into his side. And then in the background, you see Falcon uh, punching out someone. It says. They're back, Batroc's brigade. Now, the last time we saw Batroc, Bob, do you have any any recollection of that? I, I don't off the top of my head, Rick. I mean, he's had so many incarnations along the way. I can't remember what the one prior to this was. Well, uh, his appearances, I think this is only his, I want to say, sixth appearance. Um, he appeared in Tales of Suspense. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 1966 for two issues in 75 and 76. And then he came back in 85 in 1967. Um, so those are the three appearances in Tales of Suspense. And then he appeared early when Cap got his own book in 1968 with issue 105. And then he came back two years later in 1970 with issue 130. So here he is two years later. Uh, in 1972. Hmm. So we open up to the, the the splash page, and it says the title is "All the Colors of Evil," and we have Falcon with Red Wing up on a rooftop, looking down on this van that is jetting through an inner city street and uh, it's late at night. Soft, the sounds of evening, the clatter of garbage cans, the hushed tapping of fading footsteps, the brief rumble of a distant truck and nearer other sounds audible only to trained ears, the slamming of car doors, the scuffling of a sudden struggle and a faint plaintive cry for help there Redwing. unless i'm imagining things in my old age someone was just pulled into that minibus and if that means what i think it does we've got to move fast so we cut to the next page his mind moves quickly probing all possible courses of action lighting on one and in the instant of decision acting Red Wing, go. Follow that van. And whatever you do, brother, don't let it out of your sight. And does the hawk cry and answer? Or is it the unthinking cry of a hunting animal? And, it, and Red Wing flies off. And it does make a noise, Bob. <laughs> this man doesn't question. To him, it matters little. These questions of thought and anthropomorphism for him, the evening's search is almost over, a search that has taken him east and west, over the rooftops of Harlem. He is the Falcon, and tonight, for now, he fights alone. 
alone that is, but for Red Wing. Red Wing, the only witness to an uncanny transformation in the shadows of a trash encrusted alley. What's going on in that in that scene, Bob? Looks like that van has just popped open along the scenes and a Volkswagen bug drives out of it. It does indeed. Move, you fools, or didn't you see who's on our trail? I told you we shouldn't have bothered with that last kid. I told you. Cripes, can't this buggy check out any faster? Bug off, Goner. We're lucky it jives a hit at all. Red Wing, a mute witness to what has occurred, unable to relay the information he gathered, even as the Falcon arrives a moment too late, and because of it, sees only an innocent Volkswagen, where, if Red Wing could speak, the Falcon would have seen much more. I know, friend. We've lost him. That really burns you, doesn't it? Well, take it easy, little brother. Old Sam Wilson ain't letting up for hours yet. I'll find that blasted van, even if I have to search till dawn. So then we cut to another uh, panel here, and we see Captain America sitting in a in a chair with a lot of, um, looks like electronic equipment around him. And I think he's in S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. We'll have time enough later to examine the Falcon's reasons for wanting to find that minibus and its mysterious passengers. Right now, let's turn to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, where a certain brooding Avenger is examining the path his life has been following and finding that path wanting. Just a man I've been looking for. Who? Fury. Good Lord, man. You should know by now that that kind of stunt can net you a broken arm. Especially from an old crust like Captain America, right? Don't hand me that big man routine, because when you lay it on the line, I'll give even odds a guy named Nick Fury could lick you with his hands in his pockets. Which is kind of why I'm here, mister. And so here comes Nick Fury chomping a lit cigar coming through the doorway, pointing at Cap. We're a lot alike, you and me. A pair of Joes caught out of time. When we were kids, the big threat was a crazy Austrian named Schicklenbacher. Who was that, Bob? Schicklengruber. Schicklengruber. Yeah, wasn't that the big old Adolf? Adolf Schicklengruber? I thought his name was Hitler. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I believe his family name was Schicklengruber. No kidding. Is that mm-hmm. true? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, Mom? Reading comics does teach me things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And anthropomorphism. That's five syllables, Rick. I know. And I, I think it, it just rolled off my tongue, didn't it? Did. It did. It's beautifully done. I was, I was quite eloquent. And that atom bomb was something you read about in Dime magazines. What I'm trying to say, Avenger, is this. We work good together, Cap. Real good. So how about hooking up with men... okay it wasn't men it was me hyphen n all right so he's saying me and and it was shortened to men which i couldn't read with my bad eyes the hyphen (laughs) so i said how about hooking up with men all right not that there's anything wrong with that well you just read all those dog store magazines so what the hell yeah uh so how about hooking up with me and S.H.I.E.L.D. permanently? Nick, nothing would please me more. You've got to believe that. 
But the simple fact is, I can't. What do you mean you can't? Just that, Nick. I've got a friend, a partner, who's depending on me more than either of us realize. I can't walk out on the Falcon, Nick. There's just no way. And he gets up to, to walk away from Nick. Yeah, well, maybe you think that settles it, big man. Maybe you think you can keep waltzing in here like the place was yours. But Buster, that's where you're wrong. And he comes at Cap throwing a punch. A man's got to make commitments, friend. Otherwise, he's a leech, a blasted parasite. That's just what you've been dishing out, pal. And mister, I've had it. Fury, what? But Cap dodges the punch. Easy, Nick. Just calm down. I'm not about to fight you. We've been through too much to end it like that. Maybe you'd like to end it some other way, Avenger. After all, you're the big man. And then Cap kind of just stands there and thinks to himself, something's eating Fury. Unless I back off, he'll drag us both into a brawl. And I can't let that happen. Not to us. What's the matter, Rogers? Lost for words? Well, I'm not, mister. I've got two of them. Get out, pal. That's that. That's, that's three, right? <laughs> I'm not a math guy, but I think that is three. Oh, okay. If you don't need shield, that shield doesn't need you. I don't get it. Could it have anything to do with... And then he sees Sharon Carter and Val. Oh, oh, Bob. There's Val. 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 Yeah, a little thing. Where I you? do. I like Val. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. Val and Sharon Carter. Maybe they can. Uh-oh. The intercom. Attention. This is Fury. As of now, Captain America is off limits to all S.H.I.E.L.D. personnel. He has received no cooperation. I repeat, no cooperation. Any S.H.I.E.L.D. operative found dealing with Captain America will get a personal reprimand from me. And this applies specifically to Agent 13. This is Fury out. And then Val walks with her hand on a very sad looking Sharon Carter away. Soon in the barbershop, S.H.I.E.L.D. keeps as a front for their exiting agents. And how does that work, Bob? How does the, the barbershop work? It's a, it's a very sophisticated operation, Rick. Uh, you walk into the barbershop, you sit down in the barbershop chair, and it magically lowers you into the bowels of the earth where S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters is located. What if I just want to shave and a haircut, Bob? Yeah, I think you might want to say that is before you sit down. Oh, okay. Make that clear. Well, in this case, it was reverse, right? It's coming from the, the bowels, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, coming back up into uh, the barbershop. And then the barber who's standing there says, Cap, I'm sorry, but I can't. It's okay, Joe. Thanks for giving me a ride on your pneumatic chair at any rate. Maybe when Nick gentles down, I'll see you again. Perhaps I should have said if Nick gentles down. Whatever's bugging him seems to have bitten deep, and that kind of burn doesn't ease up quickly. In the meantime, Sharon and I will have to stop seeing each other, no matter how much we need or want to. So, Bob, you know, one of these things, like th- this book here, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it was 50 years old. Yeah. We're, re- we're, we're reading a 50-year-old story. Right. So one of the fun things about that is not only seeing the clothing and the styles and the cars and the technology. Art. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Right. Some of it is also the the, uh, the phraseology. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He says, if Nick gentles down. Right. I don't recall ever hearing that. I mean, settles um, down. Right. Yeah. Right. Quiets Cal- down. Calms down. Calm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gentles down. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Nor have I. Nor have I. Maybe maybe this was Jerry Conway's way of trying to introduce something and it just didn't catch on. <laughs> that could be. That could uh, be. Yeah. No guts, no glory. Stepping away from the shadowed storefront, he moves along the twi- twilight. That's not that's not written twilight. 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 Okay. The twilight streets, his thoughts winding in ever tightening spirals. Spirals which keep returning him to uneasy memories. Thoughts of Sharon, of the girl agent called Val. Thoughts which break off minutes later as he passes a darkened pawn shop and realizes, and he sees a clock. The time. I am almost forgotten. No matter what Captain America's personal problems may be, Steve Rogers still has certain obligations. So, and then we cut to the next panel, and we have... Steve Rogers in his police uniform. Bob, you want to explain what's going on here for those who may not be aware of Captain America in a police uniform? Yeah, I'm. Gosh, I can't remember what what issue was that. Was that back in uh, I don't know, one thirty nine or something? Right? I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, he donned the police officer's uniform originally to conduct an investigation at the behest of uh, the police commissioner, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there during this period in Steve Rogers' career, he has been a police officer um, with not the best of luck, um, but it was an interesting, an interesting period of his his career. So he walks into uh, the police headquarters. Rogers, man, you must lead a charmed life. Five minutes ago, the Sarge came through here like a tornado. Looking for you, Steve Arino. Guess I better report before he finds me on his own. Sarge, were you looking for me? Hold on a minute till I finish this blasted report. You'd think we were back in grade school doing some crummy English composition. Now, where was I? Yeah, Rogers. Somebody's bucking for you upstairs. Either that or the captain's gone soft these past few weeks. You've been transferred to a patrol car, Rogers. And before you do, don't ask me why. Because, rookie, I'm blamed if I know. But do me one favor, will you, Rogers? Don't blow this assignment. I'm kind of tired of seeing your ugly mutt in the day room. Get me? Sure, Sarge. I'll do my best. Yet, as he leaves the close stench of well-chewed cigars, he can't help but wonder, the way Muldoon talked to me, was this patrol car post his idea? Maybe I haven't been fair. He comes on hard, but it might be because he has to. New York's a tough town. It needs tough cops. Muldoon's job is to make them that way. And as he settles in next to his new partner, Stephen Rogers feels a smile mold on his face. 
And he does it, too. Tough men, but good men. Men like Muldoon. Then as his eyes follow the movement of men and women through the Midtown Theater District, he sees uh, he sees this guy. How would you describe this guy uh, dressed as? Uh, I've never seen anyone dressed like that, Rick. But, uh, you know, he's going with the purple turtleneck and the uh, sort of the plaid sport coat, a nice green felt hat, uh, dark sunglasses, and sort of a hipster beard and a very odd, oddly familiar mustache. It is oddly familiar. In fact, Steve thinks to himself, that man, I've seen him somewhere before, but I can't place him. Something about his clothes? Maybe that's it. The clothes are all wrong. Think, Rogers. Look beyond that snap brim hat and think, where have you seen that man before? And as the patrol car continues its rounds, the tall man in question enters a nearby alley, reaches for a battered wooden door, And moving with grace, strange for one so large, he climbs the flight of worn stairs, passing through yet another door. There in a room crisscrossed by skylight-webbed moonlight, he makes a quick transformation. His movements reveal lethe muscles, a hidden tension in every twist and fold of skin. Under his feet, the creaking boards portray his weight, a weight unlikely for his size. And then as he's changing his clothes, we, we see the, the thought bubbles. The moment approaches, and as ever, I must be ready for it. The last shipment arrives within the hour. And then we cut it to a, a half-page splash of Batroc the Leaper in his full uniform. And when they come, they will be met by Batroc the Leaper. And then uh, there's a little asterisk by by his name, Bob. What is that yeah. for? Oh, uh, it, 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 it informs you that if you find it difficult plowing through the Leaper's thick Gallic accent, wait till you catch some of our fancy French quotes. Signed, the studious but weary Stan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there are some French quotes in here, Bob. I'm gonna I'm totally gonna bastardize them. All right. I'll do my best. The past few months, the furtive hiding. Soon it will all be over. Soon Batrak will be his own master once more. And no man will dare disobey him. No man will mock him. Batrak will have the power over all. And that's Batrak the Leaper for those of you who don't speak French. So I turn the page, Bob, and next page is Batrock. Um, you know what he's doing? He's, he's doing some workouts, man. This he's is leaping. What I, this is what I do when I get home. Yeah? Yeah. How's that weight loss going? It's, uh, it's, it's progressing. <laughs> progressing. That could be taken as <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gaining weight. <laughs> Let's just I, say I, I personally am regressing. I don't think uh, I, 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 let's just, I'm not gaining, but I, I'm just sort of, just sort of hovering. Oh, well, yeah. light, if you're hovering, you're like light as a feather. Yeah, I'm hovering. So, yes. Even as I mastered the art of la savate, the ancient form of combat with the feet, so too will I master those who oppose me. 
and those I cannot control, I will strike like I strike the bag. And like the bag, they will be destroyed. For that is the way of Batroc. That is the way of Arnel. But enough of these things. I go tired of my voice. Mes amis and Trez, we have need to plan. And then coming in is like half a dozen of these like-garbed men, big mm-hmm. muscle men. Mm-hmm. Wordless, they move silently into the room. Tall, broad men whose eyes tell of no emotion, whose very stance is cold, cold and cruel. As always, my shares, your silence opposes me. Do you find this affair without humor? None? But it is so very amusing, my chers amis. You of Batroc's brigade, and I, the Liper himself, hired by a man whose name we do not know, hired for a purpose we cannot understand. Is it not droll? We prove ourselves slaves, we. We who are so free are but servants to our greed. For in the end, we do obey the dollar, do we not? Mes amis. Batroc, the philosopher. <laughs> we. Oui. Next page, we see the falcon. A few hours later, and some 94 blocks uptown, a wary figure drops to Harlem Tenement, fire escape, his mind churning with mixed rage and fear. Redwing. Whenever there's something I don't understand, I get a little scared. And, Dark Brother, right now, I'm more than a little scared. This is one dude who's chasing around in circles. I must have checked out every square inch of 30 blocks, and it all comes up zero. Wherever those creeps, and then he's in his um, apartment getting dressed, changing from Falcon uniform to his Sam Wilson attire. But there's a phone. There's a phone ringing. The phone. And I don't know what it's about. His voice softens. And the man called Falcon returns to shadow life. While Sam Wilson, social worker, rises grimly to the surface. Mrs. Santiago. No, I haven't found Paul yet. What? Another one? Stay there, Mrs. Santiago. I'll be right over. And then who's there but Layla, Sam's girlfriend. And she's, uh, I don't know, she's always giving Sam a hard time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. she, She's got a little bit of a tood. Yeah, she's always got that mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's got her arms crossed. You know, I'm talking about girlfriend. Yep. This is how my wife, it looks exactly how my wife looks at me whenever I say, can I have a lecture for my allowance this week? <laughs> Uh (laughs) what'd you do with last week's (laughs) going somewhere mr mr wilson or maybe you've got time for a few passing words layla look honey i I can't can't what sweetheart no time for little layla i wouldn't want to steal precious minutes not from your heroic uncle tomming around what shut up layla 
You can come if you want to, but if you do, you'll have to hustle. And he grabs her wrist and pulls her. Soon, on a dim-lit side street near the West Side Highway, Mr. Wilson, oh, Mr. Wilson, what shall we do? My little Rico. Now he's too gone. He too is gone. They all go. Paul, Rico, even Juan. Easy, Mrs. Santiago. It'll be okay now. Tell me, what happened? Tell you what has happened? How can I, when I do not understand it? First they take my little Paul, and then Juan, he too vanishes. And now, please, Mrs. Santiago, let's go inside. You can talk about it there. And then Layla says something really not very nice. She's not nice. Yeah. If the rats will let her get at words in edgewise, cut it, Layla. The words come slowly, but when they do, they tell a story of horror. One that softens even Layla's anger for a moment. And that's the way it's been all week, Layla. Kids have been disappearing all over Harlem. Maybe in the other boroughs, too, for all I know. Vanishing into thin air. And that's all you can say? What more is there? The cops are baffled, honey. The cops? You expect them to help us? Brother, where have you been the past ten years? Forget them. I what are you planning to do, Mr. Wilson? I'll do what I've been doing, Layla. In other words, you'll do nothing. Seems I've made a mistake about you, Sam Wilson. I used to think you were a man. Ouch. That's not the kind of support a guy like Sam needs. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... Uh, gotta tell you. I don't know any seasoner. I don't either, really. I mean, I mean, she probably, you know. I do know, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, right. know. Yeah. yeah, all right. Blast it. What can I tell her? That I'll keep tracking them as the Falcon? Sometimes I think I should chuck the whole deal. Just forget it and maybe start over again. Thus, it's one very hot Sam Wilson who returns to his office a few minutes later to find you. Finally got my message, huh? Thanks a lot, friend. And who's there waiting for him, Bob? Next page. Oh, it's the man. It is. It's Captain America. I don't know what message you're talking about, Sam. I haven't been back to my hotel, but believe me, something's come up that's more important. Something I saw in the theater district. Stow it, Cap. If you're here to grab my help battling some super baddie, you've come to the wrong joke. There's something happening to my people, Cap. And what goes down with the brothers is what's on my mind right now. I've got my own game to play, Cap. So right now, I can't play yours. And then Sam's putting on his Falcon uniform. I'm sorry you feel that way, Sam. Maybe later we'll get a chance to talk. But like you, I've got other things on my mind. I thought I recognized a man a couple of hours ago down on 46th Street. Now that I'm off duty, it seems like a good idea to check it out, which I will. And if it's a dud, I'll be back to help you, my friend. Thanks, Cap. No problem, old buddy. So they go So they go their separate ways. And 15 minutes later, I suppose I should have stayed to hear Sam out. But after what I remembered a little while ago, this just couldn't wait. Because unless my memory's falling completely apart, the man I saw enter this studio was none other than a certain 
French mercenary. So he goes to where he saw that truck enter. Like a cat, he lands noiselessly on the balls of his feet, leaning forward, listening for some telltale sound of movement until click. And it's Batrock turning on the light. Ah, it appears we have a guest. Hello, mon ami. And then we meet again. Perhaps this time we may amend our differences. Batrock, I think we have a score or two to settle, friend. But of course, and you are welcome to try, mon cher. It will amuse me till the time for parting comes. Uh-uh, Leaper, you're not going anywhere. Hold on, Bob. I need to... Je ne suis pas de Is that how you pronounce it? That's it. Hold on. Je ne suis pas d'accord, ma chère amie. I disagree. So that was French for um, I disagree, my dear friend. You seem ignorant of what is happening here. Say dommage. It is a pity, but I have no time to explain. Then don't try, Batrock. I'm in the mood for a real free-for-all, and it looks like you're it. Mon cher Capitaine, I am flattered. And they start kicking and, and jumping at each other. Be as flattered as you want, Leaper. Like I said, I'm bringing you in. Now we talk like the American gangsters, no? Good. I like the melodrama. Call it what you want, friend. I'm working up a real mad. My nerves are shot. And I'm taking it out on you. We, oui, as you will, mon ami, as you will. And he, they kicks the shield. Maybe you're getting old, Batrock. The man I knew would have never forgotten about my shield. Now talk, Batrock. What's going on here? I knew you, and you sure would haven't settled down to open up a dance studio. And then uh, he, he uh, trips Cap. We, oui, that is true. But I am doing, you shall never discover. Ooh, then nice uppercut on Batrock. Guess again, Batrock. You met me on the wrong day. I have what I've been through these past few hours. I'm just itching to take some someone apart. And friend, that's just your bad luck. And he punches him down. And now spill it, Leaper, or do I have to waltz with you some more? No, do not bother, Emmy. I see I have made an error. Perhaps I have forgotten our battles. Yet now I realize the leaper needs aid. Au secours. And in this case, the help comes in the form of Brassic's Brigade. So, au secours. Guess what that means, Bob? Uh, help? Yes. We, oui. and then, as I described the uh, the the brigade before, seven of them, seven of them. That's just great. Looks like a hopeless fight for anyone but Captain America. Swinging his shield like a club, he throws himself into their midst like a living thunderbolt. His eyes burning with rage of battle, his teeth 
bared like some primitive warrior. Yet, in each movement, there is nobility, a sense of timeless honor, an honor that fights on, even when the odds, perhaps the very world, seem set against them. Needless to say, he doesn't feel the blow that cuts him down. Then we cut to the next page, and we see um, a, uh, a guy in Harlem walking down an alley, or walking down a street, I should say. And uh, he's about to be abducted at that moment. On a quiet stretch on 8th Avenue, a lonely man called Ducks strolls warily along. Under the cheap plaid material of his jacket, his shoulders move uneasily. And perhaps from time to time, he glances into the shadows, crawling beside him, his head moving furtively on a twisting neck. Then he sighs. He seems to grow calmer. For an instant, his weariness fades. And in that instant, his destiny strikes. And an arm pulls out of the alley and grabs him. I got some questions for you, ducks. And little stooly, you had better have answers. And it's the Falcon with Red Wing. One, who's been picking kids off the streets? Two, why? And three, where are those ducks? Where are they? Hey, wait. Hey, don't hit me, Falcon. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. There's been a lot of talk about some out-of-town combine. Uh, the words to, to lie low. That they, they've holed up in a, in a warehouse on 94th Street. That's, that's their power behind them. Real power. I swear, brother, that's all I know. That'll do, ducks. You've given me the lead I need. Now, come on, Red Wing. Let's get out of this hole. The stench is a little strong. Too strong. And, and just as a reminder of this time period, uh, how the Falcon is not flying away. That's a good point. Right. He's, he's, he's crawling his way up to the tops of the buildings. Yes. He has his little grappling hook that's on his wrist Mm -hmm. that he used to, um, to swing around. Soon, some eight blocks south on a lonely mid moonlit rooftop. Don't like it, boss. Why hasn't he called us? Give them time, gunner. Maybe he's caught up in something, you know? Yeah, well, what if we're caught up with this kid, boss? I mean, kidnapping is a life offense, you know? Don't sweat it, Gunner. If it comes to that, we won't get caught with this kid. I promise you. And we see the Falcon on top of the building, and he's found them. With a snarl of rage, the grim-faced shadow above lunges. His weight snaps the restraining links of the aging grating. And before the startled man below can move, the Falcon! Falcon lands. You've got it, friend. Now, before I tear these you three apart, where's the kid? Forget it, brother. You'll never find him alive. Mister, believe me, you just better be wrong. And then... Falcon makes short work of the three guys. And as abruptly as it began, the fighting ends. The others are bolting, but Red Wing will keep them in sight. I only need one of them anyway to do this. 
and he grabs one of the guys and he holds him outside of a window, Bob. Talk, friend, or I let go and you fall six floors down. Okay, okay, the kid's in a Volks on the first floor. Go on, pal. Who's running this operation and why? Some guy on 46th Street, he, he was supposed to call us. We sent him the kid to him. Believe me, mister, I don't know why. Honest. Next page. Falcon pulls him in and hits him unconscious. Don't worry, pal. I believe you. Moments later, in the street-level garage, Red Wing, so that was what you were trying to tell me before. They must have hidden that bug in the larger van. But that doesn't matter now. I should be able to unlock this trunk with this bit of wire. Done. And it opens up, and there's, there's one of the missing kids in there. It's all right, kid. You can come out now. Wow. I, I thought I was, I was over for good, man. The, the way those guys talk. Just take it easy, friend. And when you catch your breath, do me a favor and call the cops. And soon, a swinging form lifts into the night and moves to a final meeting with Destiny. While in a certain abandoned dance studio in the more run-down sector of the theater district, Les Détenez, mes amis. He is a clever one. You're pretty good with orders, Batrock. How about a few explanations? Explanations, mon capitaine. You heard me, mister. What's the purpose of the layout, these these goons? Who are you working for, Batrock, and, and why? The why is simple, mon cher. As always, Batrock is the mercenary. As for who the leper obeys, that I cannot say. For in truth, I do not know. Now, what I do, that I can show you, cher ami. For all is not what it seems. Good Lord, man. What have you done? And and he opens up uh, a window to show a bunch of, of children that are in these, like, tubes, Bob. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem right. It seems off, yeah. Done? Is it not obvious? The children are all from over New York. Children from ghettos, children from orphanages. All of them are brought to me, and I hold them until the man who pays me to do this chooses to appear. Patrick, you're mad. If you think I'm going to let you get away with this. But, mon ami, you have no choice. Andre, hit him. And, um, so... You know, Cap's been held down this entire time mm-hmm. by several men. And one guy is just to come by in the back with a club to hit hit Cap in, from behind in the head. I try, Master, but he is so strong. And then coming from above, breaking through a windshield, is the Falcon. Strong and no longer alone. Falcon. You expected the Fantastic Four? You know, Bob, I got to say, in the pages of Captain America, not I'm not talking miniseries. I'm not talking uh, 
you know, those types of things. But in the pages of Captain America, in the several, like we're up to, you know, past nine volumes with the new stuff coming out of Captain America, I don't recall the Fantastic Four appearing in a Captain America issue. You're right. I don't recall any either. Huh. Right? Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I mean, considering the the sort of centrality of the Fantastic Four to the Marvel Universe. Right. All right. So early on. Yeah. So listeners, all right, we're baffled. If you can recall any issue, any issue that has the Fantastic Four in a Captain America regular series. So volume one through volume nine, right? The, the, the 55 year history of, of 54 year history, whatever of, of Captain America solo stories. If you can remind us of any fantastic four appearances and and I'm not talking like a cameo, like a, like a one panel, sorry, Cap, we can't help you, you know, type of thing, which may have happened. But, you know, like a legitimate story that involved the Fantastic Four appearing Captain America. Please post, please uh, comment uh, in our in our in our post. So we get back to the Falcon and Cap uh, battling the Brigade. I mean it. Let's face it, Cap. We're fated to fight together. I gather our two cases coincide, friend. But we'll work that part out later. Right now, I've got a score to settle. And Cap goes to reach for his shield. I think not, mon ami. For in the ultimate battle, it is Batrock who must win. By Bat, uh, but Cap picks up the shield just in time before uh, Batroc's feet hit his face. You sure blocked that blow, but he cannot block every blow, cher ami. In the end, one will connect. You said it, big man. One will. And then he punches Batroc in the face. Nice play, Cap. Now, how about helping me? I've got seven to handle. Wrong, Falk. You got six. And he throws his shield and knocks one of them out. Uh Uh-huh. That's one I owe you, Cap. And it looks like that same guy with the club. He was about to come up behind Cap. Mm -hmm. He's coming up behind the Falcon. It's like, is that all that guy has? (laughs) I'm going to take this wooden club. And run up behind people when they're not looking. Is that like his like one shtick? It's his specialty. Mm. I'll collect later, Falcon. Right now, I'll ask our friend one more time. Who's your boss, Leaper? Again, mon ami, I do not know. Perhaps it is time we all learned, we? He may yet pull victory from this black defeat. And Batroc's honor may still be saved. He's going for some sort of switch. That light, bursting, blinding. Mon Dieu, I swear I did not know. That's obvious, Bratrock. But who? And then on this last panel of the of this past page, we see this gigantic, enormous figure 
and he he says, men call me the stranger. Next issue, the child buyer. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, right. It's um, wow. All right. So on this uh, next issue, we get to 150. Now, where I come from, Bob, in my memory of all things comics, issues like 150 are a big deal, right? They're like anniversary type issues, like usually something special happens in, a, in an issue 150, yeah, right? In an issue 50, in an issue 100, an issue 150, an issue 200. Yeah. Like these are, these are like special issues. But honestly, <laughs> this is not a special issue. It's, it's not. No, it wasn't. A uh, marketing opportunity was lost. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a shame. Um, but yeah, this came out in March... Uh, mid-March 1972 had a cover date of June 1972 and like before it has a cover by Gil Kane uh, although this one also has John Romita and John Costanza on it uh, and then I think pretty much the same well no not really I mean Jerry Conway and Sal Basima are back uh, but the inkers this time are John Verputin and Tony Mortelaro, letterer Art Simic. And then, of course, we still have Stan Lee as the editor. The solicitation for issue 150 is The Stranger Strikes from Space, but so does the monster known as Jakar and Earth's Caught in the Middle. Do you know... Um, do you know who Dracar is, Bob? Yeah, he is the uh, did, he he invented Dracar, Dracar Noir, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the classic, the classic cologne and aftershave combination. Oh, well, hey, uh huh. <laughs> they yeah. played a big part in my uh, yeah, puberty years. Uh, yeah. Did, did you like to throw a little Dracar? Oh yeah, a little Dracar Noir. Yeah, that was that was yeah. Oh man. That was my thing. Do you remember the day? I mean, thank I well, okay. I I was about to say thank God these days are over, but they're probably not. It's just probably my days are over. <laughs> right? Like I'm not in the scene anymore where men wear uh you know some sort of cologne and, mm -hmm. and you know walk around into a bar. You know, and, right. yeah. you know, you know, I'm sure it still happens. It probably still happens. Mm -hmm. um, I, my days are over right. of doing that. I walk by and people don't go, who's that guy? <laughs> it doesn't happen. No, no, <laughs> no nobody. No. What, what, so what was your, what was your cologne of choice back in the day? Oh, back in the day. Uh, you know, I wasn't a big cologne guy. Once I left high I school, wasn't either. not really a big cologne guy. But there have yeah. been times along gives the way me a headache. where some, you know, some girl I was dating for a while or something said, oh, I want you to wear this. And, you know, I think it was like Eternity, you know, Calvin Klein uh, Eternity. Uh, or one, one girl, I think she liked Curve, you know. Which, what? Uh, Never yeah. heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I, I wore them for as long as I was dating and then, you know. 
threw them in the trash after. So, oh, I know. But my son is into it now, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's not doing Monty Python, but he is doing cologne. Yeah. I I got to say, Bob, you're not raising him right. I know. I don't, you know, (laughs) I. His my mom and my mom. His mom bought him uh bought him like a for like, Poor like mom. Oh, well, hold on. We have to pause there. Yeah, like, uh, uh, like, like, like little Freudian slip. Yeah, his no. mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my mom. She she got like the fourteen dollar bottle. Of, I think Marshalls. You know, I'm like you know the good stuff. So wow. uh, yeah, like you got to use that fast, man. Are, are we are we back in the eighteen hundreds? Or you're like, hey, ma, how you doing? <laughs> Storms are coming. <laughs> uh, better go get those potatoes in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, I got to tell you, uh, back in the day, uh, I had a bottle of polo. Oh, polo. Good for you, man. Good for uh, you. Living it up, doing that. Yeah. That you know. matching shirt, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah collar, maybe. Collar may- up. Oh, maybe yeah. I had to collar up. You never know. You <laughs> yeah. never know. You never know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, back then I had, uh, yeah. And I would just, you know, you do, you would, you would take the, the bottle and put your finger over the top uh-huh. and you turn it upside down Oh yeah, and then put it back up. And then whatever moisture was on your finger, you uh-huh. dabbed on, on the, oh. on the, on the neck right yeah. here on this yeah. side yeah. and you dabbed it on the neck on that side. If yeah. you did more than that, I got to tell you, you yeah. were doing too much. Yeah. A little dabble do you. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, the things listeners get from the show. Sort <laughs> of like uh life hacks. Uh, uh yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So for all the 12-year-olds out there that are just getting into 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 cologne and yeah. aftershave and things like that, like Bob's son, um, yes, we're telling you right now. A yeah. little dabble do. I bet that we probably some of our contemporaries out there, guys in their, you know, their late forties, early fifties, are probably going, <laughs> "Son of a, I've been doing it wrong the whole time." <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> They're kind of like, "What? Nobody told me that." Yeah. You, yeah. See? Yeah. No, no, you're totally right. I can vision it now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can vision it now. Like one, one, just one, just one. Yeah. You know, one of our yeah. hundreds and hundreds of listeners. Um. Uh. Is is going? <laughs> son of a gun! <laughs> <laughs> Why did somebody put that on the box? Yeah. Oh, hold on. I'm I'm going back a few episodes. Ready? Yeah. Great googly moogly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, if you were on Twitter, and 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 the Mark Wade episode was the one where I said to my my hello to you was <laughs> great googly moogly right right um, and somebody somebody on on Twitter God God bless him because it, it means he listened to the episode right right yeah he which said, is more than Rob Rob did yeah, <laughs> yeah probably right <laughs> uh, and uh, he said um, where did it come from. Googly moogly. Oh God, I'm going to lose it now. But he, he was like, Oh, well, great. Googly moogly was also used in. What? Yeah. Yeah. It was something else. Oh my God. Who knew we had experts in Hold such on. matters? I'm looking it up. Oh, here it is. Here it is. By the way, not sure it's the origin of the phrase, but 
Frank Cho, not no, Frank Cho. Who's the um? Not Frank Cho. Is it Frank Cho? The penciler, the artist. Yeah, yeah, Frank Cho. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he 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 used the Twitter handle, which is not Frank Cho, but oh. in my mind, I knew it was Cho. But yeah, it's Frank Cho. He goes. By the way, not sure if it's the origin of the phrase, but Frank Cho used the term "great googly moogly" in the excellent and sadly unfinished Liberty Meadows. Huh. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Wow. I know, right? Hey, listen. Uh, of the phrase. Listen, Chris D. Bowen, uh, who is on Twitter. If you're listening to this episode. Thanks for uh, thanks for reminding me. I I am a big fan of Frank Cho, and I I did first learn of Frank Cho back in the day of Liberty Meadows, way before he got into comic books. I, I loved reading Liberty Meadows, and um, I do recall now that you mentioned that great googly moogly was uh, was used in that comic strip. Did you ever I, read Liberty Meadows? I I haven't. No. Oh, you're missing out. Yeah, totally missing out. It's funny. So back and, and, and we're uh, <laughs> we're known for our uh, going off on tangents. So apologize <laughs> to any of our new listeners. Um, yeah. So back in the eighties, I was a big fan of Bloom County. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Berkeley bread. Yeah. Um, loved Opus, loved Built the Cat, loved Steve Dallas, loved yeah. Milo Bloom, uh, the Anxiety Closet. Yeah. Uh, you could go on and on and on. Mm. Loved Bloom County. That was my favorite comic yeah. strip by far. I had all the collections. Um, I now have them. If you want to check them out, uh, I want to say, is it Boom? One of the comic publishers, I could be wrong. I don't know if it's Boom or if it's someone else, um, published these hardcover anthologies of the Bloom County collection. And, and, and my, my father-in-law every year gets me a new volume. That's huh. uh, like for six years now. Right? Yeah. So I have these really nice hardcover volumes of Bloom County and uh, it takes you from the very beginning to through, uh, I don't know if you know, but after Bloom County was over, he Berkeley left and then he came back and he did this only Sunday comics version called Opus mm. uh, called, no called Outland. I take that back called Outland and which featured Opus mm-hmm. and built a cat and a few other things. Um, so it takes you through all that. I am. Wow. Again, apologies to the publisher out there. I want to say it's boom. I could be wrong, but um, uh, yeah. So if you liked Bloom County, you would really like Liberty Meadows. Really? Yeah. Well, check, check it out. It out. Yeah. There are there are soft covers. There are hardcover collections of uh, Liberty Meadows by Frank Cho. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I highly recommend it is, um, it's a funny comic strip, uh, that has just like Bloom County has a bunch of animal characters that are anthropomorphic. Hey, there's a word we used earlier nice. today, yeah, yeah. uh, that, you know, interact with humans. Um, and then Frank Cho, if you're not familiar, 
draws a pretty lady. Okay. And uh, enough said. Yes, and being that Bob, I know how much you like a a mm-hmm. Val de Condesta. Who doesn't? Yeah. You might, you might like, you might mm-hmm. Frank Cho's work on Liberty Bell. Right. Just saying. All right, she's tall drink of water. Yeah. yeah. All right, I got to get back to the comic, Bob. You, yeah. you, you sidetracked me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where were we? On the cover. Oh. <laughs> on the cover. Oh God, this episode is going to last forever. <laughs> um, so we're on the cover of 150, and we have the guy who shows up at the end of issue 149. And he's wearing a 1972 costume. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best I can describe it. It. It, looks, it looks like Robin from Batman and Robin goes to the disco. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, it, it definitely has the red tidy whiteies yeah. and the bare legs, but he has green boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a green cape. A bare arms and bare legs, um, and then over his ch- chest plate, some sort of orange red V yeah, that, that that pokes up on either side of his head. It's yeah, it's an odd fashion choice for sure. I it don't is. know the, the practicality of it, but and then Captain America is in some sort of glass dome, and Falcon is some sort of glass dome. But they're breaking out, Bob. They're breaking out, and it says at the bottom of the cover, "Trapped in the bottles of death by the new super powerful stranger." Inside, opening splash page. One burning instant, and he comes with a roar like the rending of time and space, wind screaming, churning in sudden displacement, the very air seeming to twist and fold in on itself. The stranger comes. They turn away, each muscle and nerve reacting in primitive fear, and like some arcane echo, his laughter rings in their mind. And knives through their very souls. The title to this one is called Mirror Mirror. Hey, Bob, maybe mm. moving forward, when I say the title to this one is, maybe moving forward, you could start wow. naming the title. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. <clears throat> yeah, all right. So let's start now ready? I'm gonna, let's I'm start, start now. doing my vocal exercises all right i'm gonna start now and the title to this one is called mirror mirror nice <laughs> <laughs> and and so we have the stranger uh with some kirby crackle behind him and if you don't know what kirby crackle is look it up <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of explaining it. Google it. Uh, Go on the Google. (laughs) And Cap's there with his shield up. In heaven's name, who? Mon ami, did you not hear? He calls himself the stranger. And well, he is. You should know, Batroc. It's your fault he's here. Your fault, mister. Falcon's not happy. 
Why'd you do it, Leaper? Kidnapping those kids, holding them prisoner for him. Why? I swear it, cher ami. I did not know. Le agent, the money was all that concerned me. That's a little obvious, Batrock. But right now, it couldn't matter less. This bruiser's here to collect those children. And with or without your permission, Batrock, he's going to be stopped. For it is worth, Messieurs, you have that permission. Thanks a lot, Batrock. Let's move. Yet even as they lunge forward, eyes raging in anger. No, my friends, you will not move. You will remain still. And then there's like this blast that comes from the stranger's hands over top of the three of them. And so you will stay until my wound tells you otherwise. So low, only their sharpest nerves can detect it. There comes a paralyzing wail. And in that self-same divided instant, the stranger makes a grim offhand gesture and all time slows and in that moment stops. Now, my puny friends, your behavior seems more fitting. You have become as much of an annoyance as those silent cubs you seek to protect. Your minds have been removed, but the briefest second from this hairy plane of existence, and you stand now as helpless observers, able to hear, perhaps even to see, but totally apart from those energies which futilely boil within you. Perhaps now you may fully appreciate this moment. You may even understand its significance. When I first appeared before you, I named myself the stranger. Yet now that ploy seems ill-played. It appears you've never accounted that star-striding alien, and so this revelation does not contain the depth of irony it might. I, in a way, I am the stranger with whom I spoke, in the way that a reflection is that which it mirrors. For in the truth, I am far more. I am all that he could be, and all all that he is. I am Jakar. And he reveals his face. Yeah. And it. Yeah. I mean, I would have kept it hidden. Yeah, he's not a very good looking yeah. man. Yeah. No. But he is a little bit more ominous looking, would you say? I would definitely say that. Yeah. Well, why didn't you, Bob? Why do I always have to say it? I, I, I know, which is strange because you are the manservant. <laughs> I'm the fuzzy-headed <laughs> manservant, according to Batrock. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Silently, then, he turns. At his sides, his fingers move in some nervous gesture. His body seems to tremble with knowledge of the power it contains. Slowly, he looks bitterly upward. And there... In the dust-laden aid air of the moldering studio, a grim image begins to form. And as it does, he says in a hollow, haunted voice, My friends, there are worlds, and worlds besides worlds, of which you may never dream. 
and this doomed nightmare of a planet is my world in a dimension that lies parallel to your own. A plane of existence so distant your minds would crumble with the effort to conceive its location. Here, my race lived in peace. Peace born of being completely and permanently alone. For you see, we were alone, more totally than any race before us. Two millennia ago, some cosmic catastrophe had crushed our galaxy, destroying all stars, all nebulae, all life-bearing planets, save our own unfortunate world. For 200 agonizing centuries, we strove to discover if any other sentient race had somehow survived. But we strove in vain. Ours was the last. None but us had weathered that galactic plague. And in the end, after 2,000 years of tortuous solitude, even we succumbed. Describe the plague, explain its cause, its carrier. Oh, would that I could, my friends. But I have no answer, and I could tell you only this. For reasons I may never understand, I alone survived that single eve of unearthly terror. I alone awoke the next cold morrow to find myself upon the lonely peak where I'd been working to find the others silent. This I know. The plague affects the mind. It destroys the vital life essence in the brain, sending its victims into a paralytic coma. All of its victims, even the lovely Carrie Lee, my wife. It was then, as I curled in self-pity, that the miracle occurred whether my thoughts activated the warp effect or whether it was some other more providential influence, I'll never know. But in that instant, there appeared a rift in the barrier between our dimensions, and I saw the man four of your colleagues called the stranger. For the first time, I became aware of other reality lines, and suddenly I knew what I must do. Bob, when he's referring to the 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 man four of your colleagues called the stranger, what was that? That was in the Fantastic Four, one sixteen, Rick. And what year did that come out, Bob? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to guess between 1960 and 1971. <laughs> Way to narrow it down, Bob. <laughs> Well, it's a, sometime in the Silver Age, I'm guessing, early Silver Age. Is anybody else at all slightly upset that Bob said 1960? <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, when did the Fantastic Four start? Oh, Rick, I, I, thought, I thought we've established that I only read Captain America. <laughs> we have established that. Okay. <laughs> Next page. These children. They will provide my people's timely salvation. Their uncluttered, innocent souls shall fill those hideous, empty shells. And once more, my race will live. Ah, 
I look well, my unwitting minion. You thought it, but a clever kidnap, did you not? And he's referring to, to Batroc. You thought I'd ask a ransom, some gluttonous, exorbitant fee. Yet now you know, you all know, it is far more. Come, my children, your destiny awaits you, as it must ever await us all. Arms outflung, heads tossed back into the full wind of the erupting electron storm. Jakar flickers and glows until... And then Cap says, gone. His control's broken. We're free. But what do we do now? How can we find him or the children? Cap, you've got a way of stating the problem that states the problem. Let's face it, man. We're helpless. What is wrong with you? I, for one, will never let that, 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 that thief escape the leper. And just then, uh, Cap and Falk, quite frankly, blame Batrock for this predicament. They mm. turn and punch <clears throat> Batrock. Wrong, Batrock. You were the man who kidnapped those children. You were the one who contacted your car who sold himself like some crummy Judas goat. Those aren't any words to describe you, Leaper, but believe me, I'd like to try. Okay. I don't understand that. He just said, like some crummy Judas goat. Oh, yeah. Right? So Cap, yeah. Cap just described Batrock as a Judas goat. Yeah. Okay. And then he said, there aren't any words to describe you, Leaper, but believe me, I'd like to try. Hmm. I see where you're going with that. I, I don't understand. Either, just, just, either describe or don't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, thank you, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he realized when he said Judas Goat, he's like, eh. Maybe I don't have the word. Maybe I don't have the words. Yeah, either a Judas, you're a goat. A Judas goat? I don't know. What the hell is a Judas goat? I don't know. I think that's, personally, as far as uh, uh, explanations go, that one was pretty bad. (laughs) Oh, well played. Well played. Raramont, is that so? It is you, you and your dark friend. Oh, that was that was very 1972. Who are the heroes? We none. Oh, hold on. I have this one looked up too. There is such a thing as a Judas goat, Rick. Huh. What? I didn't know that was an actual thing. Is there what? What? What the heck is a Judas goat? A Judas goat is a trained goat used in general animal herding. The Judas goat is trained to associate with sheep or cattle, leading them to a specific destination. In stockyards, a Judas goat will lead sheep to slaughter while its Whoa. own life is spared. Whoa! Yeah. Now that is harsh. That is harsh, yeah. I mean, to be called a Judas goat, that's pretty, that's pretty harsh. Yeah, Cap. Man, all right, I just... Again, once again, you're welcome, every, all our listeners who mm-hmm. did not mm-hmm. know what, like, like me, what a Judas goat was. Um, 
Yeah, you're learning something new. All right, here I go. I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly in French. And again, I apologize. Non, je ne le sais pas. I don't think so, ma chers. We each do what we must. And at the moment, you must fight. Cap, Patrick's brigade. We forgot all about them. That you did, mon cher Falcon. And for you, the battle is just now begun. As for the leaper, perhaps I shall regain my lost honor by tracing the stranger and saving the young victims. We, oui? vous And so until we meet again, mon cher's enemies, I bid you adieu. Amuse. Vos bien? He's getting away, Falcon. Call Red Wing. I'm way ahead of you, mister. There goes Batrock's silent shadow now. And unless I'm losing my inbred sense about these things, Cap. Next page. Following our jiving jumper may just lead us to Jakar Du. But in the meantime, we better mop up these remains of Batrock's brigade, right, old friend? Good thinking. Wouldn't do to have these clowns on our back for the rest of the evening. We have enough trouble as it is. Short moments later, as the two companions step back to catch their haggard roofs. Hmm. Looks like we've run out of sparring partners, Falcon. Can't say I miss him, Cat. Now, about this Batra, maybe you better fill me in. And then we cut to Batra Zilipe on the rooftops, jumping from building to building. While Cap takes care of his own bit of dramatic exposition, we'll resolve another portion of this play by turning to the sometimes protagonist known to us as the Leaper. Any other man might balk at such a jump. Any other man might panic or be unable to reach the far corner. But he is not just any man. For years, he's trained, pushing himself against all mortal weakness, driving himself to become the best, and have no doubt, he is the best. Say no me, Plapas. I do not like it. It is too easy. Why should this stranger, this alien, give to me the homing device by which I may trace him? Perhaps... In oversight. In the background, by the way, Bob. Who's flying around? <laughs> and that was your way of saying Red Wing. Uh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, an error on his part, I am sure. But an error he will soon most deeply regret. I have but to follow the erroring light. And it will lead me to his point of departure of this at least i am certain but still it is strange for i cannot help but follow that someone in some way i am being watched the minutes pass quickly as his eyes straining against the darkness the leaper makes his way west and finds himself eventually overlooking the rocks on the Hudson shore. 
that flickering glow. It seems like I have obeyed the correct instincts. The stranger must need a depart of sorts, a place to build his parallel. Yet, Putet, he has waited too long, and more, he is underestimated the Lepeau's sense of honor, and for that, he will dearly pay. And, and so Batrock leaps into uh, the, uh, the mountainside, straightening from his cautious crouch. Batrock moves silently forward, his brow furring in the sudden brilliant glare. And so intent is he upon that piercing glow, he doesn't hear a distant screech of warning, nor would he heed it if he had. That screech of warning. Oh, sorry. Scream! All right, so we cut to the next page, and uh, we've got two ladies in a um, workout room. One Sharon Carter and one Contessa de Fontaine. Oh. <laughs> As Bob would say. Right, yeah, exactly. But now, let's pick up still another thread of our story. A thread winding through S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Midtown headquarters where a certain Sharon Carter moves through the rigors of her day's gymnastics until... Sharon, could I talk with you a moment? Well, the Contessa Valentina Allegrego de Fontaine. I really don't think we have anything to say to you, Contessa. So if you'll excuse me, I think I've lost interest in, and she starts walking away from her exercise. Sharon, please, I certainly must speak with you. Give me a minute, just one minute. It's about Steve. Don't tell me you want to apologize. Isn't that just a little melodramatic? I'd expect a, a bit more taste than that, Contessa. Can we stop bickering for even an instant? I am sorry, Sharon, more than you can ever know. I made a play for Cap only because I was mad at Nick Fury. I thought Nick loved me, but then abruptly he began ignoring me, paying more attention to Laura Brown. I suppose I wanted to teach him a lesson, but it backfired. Oh, Sharon, how it backfired. You see, I discovered something I never knew. A woman can love two men, Sharon. And heaven help me, I'd love Steve Rogers. And then all of a sudden, Sharon Carter appears to be concerned and sympathetic. Val, I didn't know. I thought, Oh, Val, what will we do? Next page, we cut to Captain America and Falcon following Red Wing. I don't know, Sharon, Val whispers softly. I just don't know. And 
Next page, we cut to Captain America and Falcon following Red Wing. Red Wing, Backdraft must be in that cave, Cap. What's the old saying? Whither he goes. You got me, friend. Never was much for poetry. You lead, Cap. You're the man with the shield. Just keep behind me, Sam. Their footsteps echo softly in the darkness, their bodies leaning forward, eyes harrowing in the light blotting out the scene before them. Then the glare dims. Their vision adjusts, and they see... Batrock! Well, that's just great. Mr. Hero goes wandering off on his own and ends up colder than a weak old stiff. Maybe not, Falcon. That glow around him means he's dead. Face it, Cap. That's one boy who just won't end up as a state prison. Don't be sure. Don't be too sure, friend. Look at his eyes. They're watching us. He sees us. I'll put my life on it. It's your life, Cap. Me? I kind of ask, where's that stranger character? Why ain't he here playing watchdog? And so what they're looking at is a, a Batrock who's in some sort of laser beam did i just use that in in quotes like like <laughs> dr evil yeah, it's a laser yeah <clears throat> but next page let me cut to batrock who slowly dissolves into jakar ah but i am here my perceptive friend and i am afraid that this time in this place, you have lost your most crucial battle. And I, I have won a war. A war for a world. So, Bob, I don't know if you just noticed. Uh, I, I shifted my voice. I know. That was, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> Active! <laughs> Like that John Lovitz character from SNL, you remember? I was acting. acting. <laughs> um, what was that movie with? Uh, if you think about this, right? His world is underneath this crisis, mm-hmm. where they're all in some paralysis state, physically. Mm-hmm. Mentally, they're gone. He supposes he somehow comes to that conclusion, but physically, he believes that, you know their bod- their bodies are all there. So he's thinking, okay, I'm going to take these human souls and put them into the bodies there in order to repopulate. My species. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Not a good thing to do. But if you really think about it, and this is complete devil's advocate, if you really think about it, he's going for the youth of, you know, like he he's going after the the orphanages, mm-hmm. 
the slums. Yep. He's he's he it's not like he's taking all youth. He's like, well, these are the youths that you know no one's gonna miss. Yep. Yep. Right? True that, true that. So it's also strange that it's for boys. Okay, I didn't notice that. <laughs> so Curly hasn't thought through this. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> so poor Carrie Lee is going to get a new mind in her yeah, body, right? you know? Now, hold on. Boy hold is not gonna... on. <laughs> this just opened up a whole new... This, oh, my God. We just went there. We yeah. just went there. Can you imagine being a 12-year-old boy? Your son's yes, age, right? Your son's age, yeah, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, put into yeah, like a a grown woman's body. Uh huh. They'd yeah. never leave the house. That's right. I know. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Uh, I'm 51. I'm still trying to get into a grown woman's body. Wait, you're not 51. <laughs> Oh, 54. Shoot! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. Hey, that by sucks. the way, by thanks, the way, thanks I for bringing aged, me down. I just aged you three years in a second. Damn! <laughs> I'm 51. <gasps> See, you make me feel young again. I do. I have that effect <laughs> on people. <laughs> I hope to God the listeners are having fun. We are. <clears throat> Casting desperately about the narrow conf- confines of this glass glassine prison. Glassine? What the hell is a glassine prison? I gotta give Conway credit. He's glassine's he's, not a word. He is pulling out the thesaurus. He's he's making up words now. Anyway. Uh so in a glassine prison, the Falcon sees a momentarily glow. That coupling, something's wrong with the connection. It's partially short-circuited, not enough by itself. But maybe with a little properly applied A, the jolt could be dangerous. And I've got to chance it. Must have shortened when Jakar trapped us. So with a little luck, next page... Bracing himself against the rear of the capsule, having set his falcon claw for maximum extension, Sam Wilson releases the hair-triggered catch, and all hell breaks loose. That did it! (gasps) The coupling detonated, took out the, the whole side of the tube with it. Gotta move. Slide out of here before Jakar hears me and... Uh Uh-uh. Bite your tongue, Sammy. He's turning, raising his hand. And he does. Jakar fires from his hand towards Sam, but hits Cap's capsule. Say that five times fast. Oh, yeah. Nice gamut, Falcon. You tricked him into shattering my capsule. So now let's see just how far we can carry the luck you brought us. Hey, old friend. Sounds real fine, Cap. Just leave some pieces for me. I've got first cut, Falcon. Those comments on patriotism went down a little harsh. Mm. Really? <laughs> I- I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, Jerry Conway. I, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I, I, I don't see Cap as being this. You've insulted my patriotism. I'm gonna, you know, I don't know. Help me out here, Bob. What do you well, think? Well, I, I agree with you. I agree. I think uh, it's funny because we know where this is going to go in just a few issues, right? With uh, with Engelhart's run. It's true. Right. Yeah. So the last gasp. So uh, Jakar responds. And perhaps you'll swallow this more readily brash fool. Come. Did you honestly believe I'd be unprotected? Maybe not, Jakar. Maybe we're just testing something. Something you've helped us confirm. And he th- Cap throws his shield at Jakar, which ricochets right off of his chest. You prattle like children. Do you suppose your shield will fare well where your hands failed? Um, not quite, mister. But then, not all of my goals are simply short-term. And so, the ricochet hits off his chest, as I mentioned, but then hits off of a wall, which then shatters Batroc's tube. Mm-hmm. Magnifique! Then we shall battle side by side, mon ami. Let's just say I need you as a diversion, Leaper, as much of a diversion as this futile attack. While Jakar's fate creeps up from behind him. Sorry, my dear captain. I've no use for idle and obvious threats. News for anything but action. And as he's saying action, he gets hit in the back of the head by one more ricochet of the shield. Cap, that's got to be the greatest display of billiard theory I've seen outside of Harlem. Thanks for the kind words, Falcon but maybe we better forgo the ego massage till later, okay? You're calling the shots for now, mister. And unless I'm reading you wrong, this one calls for teamwork. And what do they do as he says teamwork, Falcon and Cap at the same time, Bob? Mm-hmm. There's that classic, classic panel, right? That we've seen done. I don't know how many times I've seen this done, but you know, the bad guy in the foreground flying with his back toward the ground and, and uh, just moments after being socked in the face. Yep. Two uppercuts. You could say that Falcon. You could say that. Now it is my turn. There is a small score. I have to settle a matter of honor. Hold it, Batrock. I said, hold it. You don't kick a man when he's down, mister figuratively or otherwise. If that's what you call honor. It is what I call revenge, mon cher enemy. Revenge for making a fool of me. And my friend, this revenge is most sweet. And just then, Batrock goes in for a a killing leap. Batrock, no. But Jakar says... No need to be concerned, dear captain. I am quite prepared to defend myself. And now, if we are done with these juvenile expectations, because he, he hits, um, again, with his ray from his hand, he hits Batrock, who makes a scream. 
And now, if we are done with these juvenile expectations, I have work to do before I may transport those children home. Don't hold your breath, Buster. Red Wing. From the shadows above, a fluttering shriek, the beating of wind, the beating of wine-dark wings. That accursed fowl, howling, moving, darting against my face. You mindless dolts, what momentary difference can we make? Yet, even as Jakar's steel-banded wrists sweep the bird back, alert eyes turn to the glowing monitor screen. Hmm. The woman called Kira Lee. Somehow, the scanner's locked onto her. Maybe it's just a stroke of locked, or some cosmic provenance. But that lady's just what we need. Eyes burning a feral scarlet Jakar whirls, and his voice echoes within a sudden bitter churl. What are you doing? Get away from that board! Why, Jakar? Afraid of what you'll see? Or are you afraid of what you'll see, afraid that your wife's eyes aren't blind? Afraid that she'll see what you're doing and condemn you? Which is it, Jakar? Or, mister, don't you know? Next page. You might as well face it, friend. If you succeed and she discovers what you've done, she'll wish you'd let her stay in her coma. And maybe she'll hate you. Do you want that, Jakar? Do you? Kara Lee. My beloved Kara Lee. Then his voice cracks. And trembling from some inner turmoil, the man known as Jakar sinks to weary knees. Shoulders bending, hunching. And cap motions to Falcon and Batrock. Easy. Just another moment. Another moment, and it's over. Yes, mortal. Yes, it's over. The dream, the faint light of hope, it's gone. You have won, my friend. You forced me to realize what I would not realize before. I cannot bring her back cannot bring any of them back. They only exist in my memory. And so this game is ended. And he waves his hand with that Kirby crackle. The pawns are freed for the knights have won over all. His hand swings, power bursts and glows. The glassine prison seems to devolve. And in the instant, their victims stand free. As for Jakar, his end too has come. My time on the planet Earth is over, and I have but one recourse. But that's not enough for Batrock. Batrock says, C'est dommage, I pity you think so, mon ami. For you still have six score of on air to settle with Batrock. And he goes up behind Jakar, but Jakar turns and raises his hand. Then consider it settled, Earthian fool. I have no more patience for your petty mercenary goals. 
No, for me, some greater fate remains. Of this, at least, I am sure. I see now, not for naught, was this mind and soul retained. Perhaps destiny meant it to be this way for reasons and designs I may never comprehend. But this is I know. From this moment on, I am a god without a land to rule, and so must wander the depths of space and spread what I have learned. And now the crimson eyes turn skyward, the body arcs, the form flickers, and borne on silver wings of starlight is gone. And Cap and Falcon watch as this streak goes into the sky. And Batrock sees this as his opportunity to escape. The test of honor has been tried. And so I must settle for the expediency and make my escape now. But before the Leaper can complete his furtive movement to the rear. Hold it, mister. You're not going anywhere just yet. You got him, Cap. And old buddy, this time we're going to keep him. Hear me, Leaper? This time you stay put. Ah, oh, mes me. I'm at your service. Soon, next page. Listen to them, Batrock. You were almost responsible for stealing those voices forever. He's talking about the children. We, oui, but I did help to save them, no? Share or me? Don't twist your arm patting your back, Leaper. You go on home, Cap. I'll make sure Batrock stick, sticks to meet the cops. As you will. Say not Rian. In days, perhaps hours, I will be free again. Maybe so, Batrock. But I wonder, will you ever be free of your memory? Warily, he turns away, and behind his friend watches concerned and more than a little confused. Hours pass like winding thoughts, and when in their time they lead him to his hotel, they abandon him without answers, only more questions. Why'd Nick flare up at me like that, throwing me out of S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters? ordering all agents not to help me, not even see me. Why? Why? Something to do with Sharon? Or maybe Val? The way Val's been acting lately, could that have influenced Fury? Someone's at the door. Sharon? Steve, may I come in? I, I, I've got to talk to you, tell you. Tell me what, honey? What's wrong? Has Nick... Nothing like that, Steve. It's Val. Oh, Steve. And after Sharon finishes her explanation, collapsing into Steve's Roger's enfolding arms, it's quite a crew we've gotten involved with, isn't it, Sharon? Steve, what can we do? I feel so sorry for her. And then the very last page we turn to. 
I don't know, Sharon. It's something that Contessa will have to work out for herself. As for me, I know what I want to do. Something I've been meaning to do for quite a while. Steve, hold me. And then the two of them embrace. But as but as they're embracing, Bob, we're pulling out from where they are to outside of their window of their building to pulling further back from their window on the wall of the building to keep pulling back. Steve, hold me. Don't let me get away from you. Never let me get me away again. Quiet, Sharon. Don't say another word. And they embrace and they're kissing. But from the alley across the street, watching this, looking up at the window. Touching, isn't it, my friend? Yeah, real touching. A regular love story for a pair of fools about to die. And that looks like the scorpion and perhaps Mr. Hyde. Indeed. Next issue, Nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bob, Bob. Yeah. We uh we went we went a little long for two I think, issues. I think we did, man. I think we did uh we did bust the limit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. couple couple of tangents there. So but it was fun. Uh, was. You know yeah. what? For this fill-in story that only lasted a couple issues of four uh, before the great Steve Englehart joined the series, I thought it was fun uh, going back to 1972. And, and it's always, always fun to <laughs> to to revisit Batroc Zilipo. Yeah. And let's, I mean, I, I got to tell you, it was nice to be reminded, uh, <clears throat> not everyone's cup of tea. But I like Jerry Conway's writing. It's it's oh, elegant yeah. writing, elegant writing, you know, and it and it, it challenges you to uh, to use some new words. So when they're talking about you know comics teaching young kids new vocabulary, Conway's writing uh, is is one of those sources of uh, you know. I'm lost. I'm, I'm missing a word. Would that, <laughs> would that word be anthrop- anthropomorphism? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the one. That's the yeah, one. So. Yeah. No. No. It was. It was. It was a fun story, and uh, it was fun going through it with you. Um. So next episode, Bob, we have our next guest, and we have the uh, author of the the book of entitled Mark Grunwald and the Star Spangled Symbolism of Captain America, and that would be the author. Jason Olson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were, we're going to be talking to him about Mark Grunwald and his book uh, and, and exploring, you know, gosh, you know, the, the over decade uh, career of, of Mark Grunwald writing Captain mm-hmm. America. I mean, listen, there, whether there are some parts of it that you didn't like or, or, or not there was a lot of excellent a lot of excellent stories uh from mark grunwald uh as the writer of captain america and then add on top of that his time as editor right right so 
uh, and he was editor before he was writer. So he was the editor of like JMD Mateus and he was, he had, you know, uh, the editor, uh, towards the end too. So, um, anyway, it's going to be fun talking with, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Olson in, uh, in the next episode. Yep. Yep. I'm looking forward. I've been, re- I'm reading the book and, uh, and I'm so looking forward to, uh, picking his brain. Absolutely. So come back for episode 82 as we uh, have an, a fun conversation with Jason Olson. So Bob, as always, I've, I've had a ton of fun wrapping cap with you. Indubitably. Oh, there you go. Trying mm-hmm. to use those. Big yeah, words. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would have been more <laughs> impressed if you'd done something in French. Uh, indubitably. <laughs> is that all it takes is that all it takes it's all it takes man uh, oh, oh. <laughs> all right uh and thanks again to john waller sewell uh, oh, for calling in as uh as bat truck all right uh he's bob lucius i'm rick for and as always you've been listening to captain america comic book fans